several years ago, uh, pastoring a church, and uh, while it, during the time when they didn't have a pastor, uh, they would have people coming in and out, and they, they had invited, one of the deacons there, his family had invited somebody to come in. They said, we'll come, but we don't want none of this chaotic screaming and hollering. And they said, well, you won't have that at our church. Our church is not like that. And about midway through preaching, the son of the visiting minister, sitting over here on the left side of the building, just hollers out in the middle of church. He got stung by a wasp. So there's a reason we take care of a few things in here. You can edit that from the tape if you feel like it. Brother Jerry prayed, or that we would kind of put away some of the things of the world. And it is indeed true that we have uh, we have thoughts and we have cares of this world that sometimes need to be uh, pushed aside uh, to be able to allow us to sit in the house of God. Uh, anybody that does anybody that does anything that requires effort or mental thought, has to do that at some point in their life anyways. If you're if you're at work, you kind of have to forget about what's going on at the house. If you're playing a sport, you kind of have to forget about what's going on maybe at work or at other places. Uh, if you're at home, you kind of have to put away what's happening at work sometimes. It's We're constantly having to push things aside to do what's required of us at this time. Well, church is no different. We, we have something to do, and so we kind of have to I had to push away some of the things of this world that are coming upon us. And yet, at the same time, the things that are constantly bearing down on us have an effect in our daily life. And so when you come to church, sometimes the issue is not to forget those things, but how do we deal with those things? And that's kind of a little bit that we want to deal with this morning. Um, We're going to look at the book of Jude that's in the New Testament. Jude's a very small book. It's only 25 verses. Um, I'd read through it in the past, got a note here or there, but I've never really sat down and and just studied it compared to the other portions of Scripture. Jude's one of those easy books, though, to read because if somebody says, uh, you know, have you read your Bible? Yeah, I read a whole book today. The book of Jude. Uh, which we probably will read here in just a minute. It's only 25 verses, and it would only take about four minutes to read it. Um, one thing that's interesting uh, when, you, when you get into looking at what this says is, uh, particularly verse 3, if you'll notice, he said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Um, Jude sort of presents a problem here in that he wants to write something, but something else has come up, and now he's going to kind of write that. Um, But overall, the book almost wasn't written at all. And a book that was almost not written is very rarely ever read. And yet when when you read it, it is so powerful. It is so packed uh it's packed full of 
education and encouragement to God's people down here. When you get into it, though, you may say, well, I, you know, it's, there's a lot in here I don't understand, and there's a lot that, you know, really I don't get, so I don't, I don't really want to read it. And then after you read it and you do realize what it says, you kind of regret that you did read it. And some of that will kind of play out a little bit later as we look in this because we want to remind ourselves that whenever we read the Bible, we want to put ourselves in this place. What position do we take when we read these stories? And again, we'll remind ourselves that so often we want to be the hero. We very seldom are the hero. We are usually the enemy. And were it not for what we might call the gospel bookends in the book of Jude, which is the first uh, three verses and the last uh, four or five verses of this book, this book really would be a disaster um, because it is a uh, it is a book of judgment uh, against reprobate and false teachers. Um, there's a lot of parallels in the book of Jude uh, with Second Peter, specifically Second um, Peter chapter two. We're going to uh, possibly make some references there. Why, why am I looking at the book of Jude? Um, our nation is in chaos. Not just our nation, but the whole world. Um, but in all the garbage that's going around in our world, I am, I am constantly amazed. I'm constantly amazed at the foolishness of human beings. Um, specifically, specifically in this issue, we have, we have a Supreme Court justice who says that... Uh, uh, she's not qualified to uh, define what a woman is uh, because she's not a biologist. I don't know that a human being can make a more stupid comment than that right there. I cannot define what a woman is because I'm not a biologist. That means I can't define if it's raining because I'm not a meteorologist. I can't define what good food is, well, because I'm not a dietitian. I don't know if my arm is broken. I'm not a doctor. How dumb. Can we get? And yet, if we read the book of Romans, we'll find that a nation that delves so far into denying God and into glorifying themselves, God eventually turns them over to a reprobate mind, a mind void of sound judgment, a mind void of decency. And I don't bring up politics to make this political. I bring up politics to show you this is an example of the depth of human depravity. If you want to find where the most scum is in a pond, you look at the top. And that's what politics is. Then we have a, a, a nice little company in America come out this week. They've decided that they are going to promote more transgender and gay programming uh, on their station, and this is Disney. They've now come up saying we're going to be more trans-related, we're going to have more trans leads, uh, more gay actors, more blah, blah, blah. And then you have, uh, in Florida, you had what's been deemed the don't say gay bill. Oh, you can't say the word gay. Uh, that's not what that means. If you read the bill, 
It just simply means that when you have kindergartners, first and second graders, sexual education is not what's to be important to them. Teaching to read, teaching to write, teaching to color. We got all these sodomite teachers now in Florida uh, who are offended that they can't discuss their love life with their kindergartners. Well, the kindergartners don't need to know your love life. I mean, I, I don't even recall what my first grade teacher did after she left school. For all I knew, she lived at the school. So those thoughts have kind of, that's why I started looking up certain things and I found the book, you know, I got into the book of Jude and I thought, wow, you know what, we might as well just stay here for a little bit. Um, so let's back up and let's read. It'll only take us about four minutes. Jude, Jude verse 1, the servants of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupted themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feasts of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of, their, of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. So Jude is addressing the issue of false teachers that have crept in amongst the churches at that time. Uh, we said earlier that there was a parallel to this in Second Peter. Uh, and if you really, if you go through and you read Second Peter chapter two, uh, almost the same uh, issues or situations are brought up. There's a few extra things in Peter that are not in Jude, and a few things in Jude that are not in Peter. Uh, but I will make this uh, correlation in Second Peter chapter two, verse one. He says, "But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you." So in the Old Testament, the, the, the people had prophets that they had to deal with and they had false prophets that they had to watch out for. Well, we don't have prophets anymore, but we do have teachers. And so we have good teachers and we do have to watch out for false teachers. And as I said earlier, uh, where do you find yourself in this? Well, as the pastor of a church, I find myself in a teaching position. Be a false teacher in here, it's a lot easier than being a true teacher. But in the deepest sense of the word, being wrong is easier than being right. If I, if I stood before you this morning and I said, I have a crooked stick behind my back, and I'd like you to draw what you think this crooked stick looks like. I'd probably have as many opinions as there are people in here. And when I showed you the crooked stick, you'd probably all be wrong. If I told you, though, i got a straight stick behind my back, I'd like you to draw a straight stick. Well, I mean, there's only one way to draw a straight stick, correct? So there's only one way to be right, but there are untold ways to be wrong. If you've ever heard a sermon out of this book, it was probably only about the first three verses or probably only about the last five. Because those are the wonderful ones. If it wasn't for those verses, as I said, uh, this book would kind of be a pretty dark book. I'd like you to also notice <clears throat> it's not only important that you read the book, but it's also important about the book you read. Verse 3. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, I'd like you to notice the pattern here. To them that are sanctified by God, preserved in Jesus Christ, and called. 
you notice the pattern? What's the first thing that's mentioned? Those who are sanctified by God the Father. The next thing that's mentioned is those who are preserved in Jesus Christ. The last thing that's mentioned is those that are called. In almost every translation that I read on this text, those that are called was mentioned first. Those who are preserved in Jesus Christ was changed to those who are kept by Christ. And those who are sanctified by God are simply called the beloved of God. I have a problem with that. I have a huge problem with that. We are not just loved of God. We are sanctified and set apart by God. And Paul tells us in Hebrews that when Jesus Christ died, he gave up uh, his life for those who are sanctified. Not the whole entire world. He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Not those that need to be sanctified. Not those that who their life will progress in sanctification. But He gave it up for those who are sanctified. And those who are sanctified are not just kept in Christ. They are preserved. If you understand the concept of preserving food, if you understand the concept of canning food and preserving food, if the food goes bad in the preserving jar, it's not because of something that's wrong with the food. It's because of something that's wrong with the container they're preserved in. If one of God's children can die and be condemned to hell. If we're preserved in Christ, then ultimately there had to be something wrong with the preserving agent. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you that you should earnestly contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints. There is a common salvation that applies to all God's people. That in other words, if you are saved, you're all saved the same way, by Jesus Christ. This is outside denominationalism. This is outside gender. This is outside your part in the human race. If you are saved, you're saved by one and only one way, the blood of Christ. When he speaks, though, of the Faith once delivered unto the saints. He's not talking about the faith that was given you by the Holy Ghost. He's talking about a doctrinal concept and a doctrinal understanding of that common salvation. That doctrine is important. What you believe is important. When you look at what happens here when these false teachers come in amongst these people, when they bring in false teaching... They bring in corruption and they bring in condemnation into the congregation. And the very first thing that it does is it affects the way that people behave. False doctrine always affects the way people behave. 
And the two errors that are listed here are in verse 4. Turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They, They denied the true purpose of the grace of God and they denied the deity of Jesus Christ. Just because we believe that we're saved by grace does not also believe, mean that we believe that you just have the right to do anything you want to. I warn us not to take the grace of God in vain. This is an interesting little epistle as well as he writes. He sees... He sees the teaching that is creeping in. He sees uh, the false teachers that are denying uh, righteousness. They're denying holiness. They're denying God Himself. And he looks at the, the outflowing of that. This is, a, this is a quaint little book. When he says, I'll put you in remembrance in verse 5, I'd like you to notice what he does here. Uh, beginning with verse 5, he says, I'm going to put you in remembrance of some things. And what he's going to do is he's going to go, go back to the Old Testament and he's going to draw some lessons uh, from Egypt, uh, from the angels, and from Sodom and Gomorrah. And then as he describes uh, the nature of these teachers, uh, he describes their character and this, that, and the other. Verse 11 deals with uh, some of the outflow of false religion. Verse 11 says that uh, woe unto them, that there is an uh, announcement of woe that is produced, uh, pronounced upon them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily at the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. So you say, well, what does, this have, what does this have to do then with false teachers and false religion? Well, what was the deal with Cain? Cain brought a sacrifice to the Lord. And sacrifice was not received. Multitudes have, have tried to figure out why Cain's sacrifice was not received. Is it because he brought a, a vegetable sacrifice and Abel brought a lamb sacrifice? Because, you know, Abel pointed what to the Lamb of God? Maybe that's the reason that God didn't accept Cain's and he did accept Abel's. Well, I can see how you could lean in that direction for a little bit until you get in there into Exodus and Leviticus and find that there were times that God did accept food offerings. So that can't be the only reason that God didn't accept Cain's. Actually, if you'll go back and you'll read in Genesis 4, when Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices to the Lord, the Bible very plainly tells, unto Abel and unto his offering. God had respect. But unto Cain not. See, it wasn't the offering. It was the person. There was something about the person that God did not respect and receive. And you got right here, Cain gets angry. What do you mean me and my sacrifice are not accepted? I'm just as good as anybody else. That's not fair. Well, remember, fairs are places where fat pigs compete for blue ribbons. Here's Cain standing before the Lord. 
What's he crying about? God, my way is just as good as anybody else's. And you're going to find when false religion comes up, their first question is going to be, how important is doctrine? What you believe is just as good as what I believe. We're both working to the same, to get to the same place. Yes. And if God doesn't intervene, we'll all get there. Catch it? Yeah, we're all working to get to the same place. It's going to be the wrong place unless God intervenes. And then you've got Balaam here. Well, what do we know about Balaam? Balaam was paid to prophesy against Israel. But he realized he couldn't curse them and he couldn't speak against them, but he could show Balak how that Balak could, could just sit in front of Israel licentiousness and fornication and Israel would destroy itself. But Balaam was essentially a prophet for, for profit. A prophet for profit is what he was. And you, you see a lot of people in the world like that. They're, they're, they're preaching, they're writing books, they're doing a whole bunch of things, not because they want to instruct God's people, but because they're trying to make merchandise of them. And Peter talked about in Second Peter, about those who make merchandise of you. In other words, here's a brand new translation, better than the one I sold you last month. This one's a lot better. You need to buy this translation and put that one down. And guess what? Next month, I'm going to have an even better one for you to buy. A lot of people out there making merchandise off God's people. And the last thing here says they perished in the gang saying, of course. This is uh, uh, the Hebrew word or the Hebrew spelling of that is K-O-R-A-H. It's Korah. And it's number 16 is where this has reference to. When Korah uh, and Dothan and On uh, stood up and they opposed Moses and Aaron and said, you know, these people have got sense. There's no sense in you standing up here thinking you've got to be their leader. They got sense enough to make their own decisions. I realize in a lot of cases I'm a sinner like you are. And a lot of times I have no idea which direction to go. But I will warn a congregation, there's a reason God gives you pastors. If you're having problems, you might want to ask your pastor for advice. Oh, I hate to bother him. He's got so much of this. He's got so much of that. He's got so much of this. Well, it might be a bother. But I'd rather you need me and bother me than need me and not bother me because eventually you'll not be here to bother me at all. But so often I've seen so many people, they'll just make their own decisions and they don't ask the pastor what he thinks, they just inform him what they've done. I had somebody call me one Sunday morning, well, I just want to let you know, pastor, this will be our last Sunday there, we've decided to do something else. Oh, really? Wow. How's it working out for you? So I'd like you to notice here, these false teachers that come in, follow after Cain, Balaam, and Korah, they do so because what they believe and what they teach they feel is just as good as anybody else. The Bible is here to remind us that only God's way is the right way. Our nation may think it's being more kind and open-minded and tender. 
by catering to the senses of the flesh of human beings. They may think they're being kind, civil, and open-minded by catering to the likes of the homosexual and sodomy agenda. Which that, that, that's another one that, that occurs to me right there. We got a grown woman who said in Congress, I can't define what a woman is because I'm not a biologist, but we expect six-year-olds to know whether they want to be boys or girls. Uh, when you turn to the book of Romans, chapter 1, Romans chapter 1 really doesn't need any explanation. Romans chapter 1 just really needs to be read. Congregations don't need their pastors explaining wild truth out of Romans 1. You know what they need their pastors to say? It says what it says. It says exactly what it says and it means what it says. Let's just read this. Romans 1 verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Well, is not that not evident? Is that not obvious with a multitude of people? They call themselves wise. They think they're smart people. But you look at them and you listen and what? That's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard sometimes. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and the birds and the four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore? God also gave them up unto uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. What does that sound like? Human beings dishonoring their bodies between themselves. This is fornication is what this is. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, uh, who worshipped the creature more than the Creator. People don't do that, do they? People don't treat their animals better than they treat their spouse, do they? I mean, if you have an animal at home and you leave for the day, what do you say to the animal? Goodbye. I'll be back. You be a good boy. Bye-bye. Do you say the same thing to your spouse when you leave? Nope. Bye. And out the door they go. And it interests me. They worship and serve the creature more than the Creator. I've come to find out I have come to find out that if I'm complaining about four and five and six dollar a gallon gasoline, I'm just a moron. That there's a simple fix to that issue. And the simple fix to you morons complaining about four and five and six dollar gasoline is just go out and buy an electric car. If you have an electric car, you don't need gasoline. So instead of paying $6 a gallon, you can pay $60,000 for a car. Oh, why didn't I think of that? Oh, because I can't afford it. Uh, 
California and Washington now have decided that by the year 2030, nobody's allowed to drive a gasoline combustion engine car. You just need to change. So they serve and they worship the Creator. And for this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. And what do we hear most coming out of at least San Francisco? Right here. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Now, I did hear a man say one time uh, that what this means is, is that the man is having relations with women that he shouldn't be having. I said, that's, that's not what that means at all. It's amazing the number of people who preach against false teachers that you got to you got to rake through the rubbish that they are. That's not what that means. That doesn't mean that the man that the husband is doing something with the wife that's uh, taboo or different or not allowed. Y'all kind of follow me a little bit on some of this. There's just weird things out there. The Bible tells you what this means. The men leaving the natural use of the woman. Burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly. And the term unseemly means shameful or indecent. And receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Uh, AIDS was not a disease to teach us how to love better. AIDS is a judgment from God teaching us you should not be loving that way. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. The term convenient doesn't mean easy. It means becoming. So forth and so on. See, that that text really doesn't need a lot of explanation. It really just needs to be read. Uh, Congregations just need to be reminded, this is what the text says. It means exactly what it says. So, Disney may want to put more gay programming on TV for your children. I saw this years ago coming uh, when we would let the children watch a show called Blue's Clues. Love Blue's Clues. It's a great show. Beginning of the show, Steve would like lose his pencil or something, and, and he'd ask Blue to help him find his pencil, and so the whole show was about Steve trying to find his pencil, and at the end he'd find his pencil, and there we go, the show's over. Not anymore. Now we've got Blue participating in the gay pride parade and this parade and this family has two mommies and blah, blah, blah. And this, that. Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't need you teaching my kids that. I, I can teach my kids that. Or not. But they all know this. That you adults are really way past the stage of teaching. It's the children that they want. It's always the children that they aim at. And my biggest question was, Blue had a friend called Magenta. Magenta was pink. Magenta was a girl. Blue was a dog that was blue. And I was way into the series before I also realized that Blue was also a girl. And I thought, boy, that's all. What are they trying to do? They're trying to to muddy the distinctions between the two. 
So he goes on, Jude says, I'll put you in remembrance. Things nowadays may look bad and it may look like the devil's winning. It may look like the church is constantly losing ground. But there's one thing that you need to understand that that Jude is writing to us. God, God is not indifferent to the struggles of His people. He's also not indifferent to those who oppose Him. And just as He dealt with Cain, and just as He dealt with Balaam, and just as He dealt with Korah, He also even dealt with Israel out in the wilderness when they fussed and murmured and complained against Him. Here He says, in verse 5, that puts you in remembrance, though he, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. God was constantly dealing with Israel wandering in the wilderness when they were murmuring and they were complaining and they were griping and they were fussing. He sent serpents upon them one time to deal with them. Uh, ultimately, though, the greatest condemnation to them was that He told them, Go over in this land. Occupy the land. I've given you the land. And they said, I'm not so sure about that. We need to, we need to send some spies out here to, to spy out the land and see what happens. And of course, you know the story. Ten of them came back and said, we can't do it. I don't care what God says. We can't do it. And two of them said, yes, we can. Pack your bags and let's go. And, and this division between the two and the, nation of Israel following after the ten majority got them wandering 40 years in the wilderness. Everybody that was 20 years and older died in the wilderness in those 19 and under. They were after the 40 year period. They were now what? 49, nearly 50 years old. Nearly 50 years old. 60. I don't know how to count. Nearly 60 years old. Now they're allowed to go into Canaan's land. And isn't that isn't that in our, in my life? Can I look back on that and say, wow, I'd hate to have to wait 40 more years to experience something I could have already experienced if I'd have just listened and done what I was told. The angels that rebelled in verse 6, he says he's reserved in everlasting chains under darkness. He will deal with them. On that day, it's not my intent to get into what the fallen angels and all that represent and what that means. However, those that opposed him and rebelled against him, he will deal with them. And then he says in verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner. So keep in mind here, we know Sodom and Gomorrah. That, that's, a, that's a common phrase to, to label on a wicked city. It says here that there were other cities with it. And if you go back and you read the Old Testament, you'll read about those little cities that surrounded Sodom and Gomorrah that experienced the same thing that Sodom and Gomorrah experienced. And notice what it says, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. That's both the things that we're talking about or we talked about in Romans 1. Fornication, strange flesh. Now, you say, what do you mean by strange? Well, first off, you can have strange flesh that doesn't belong to you. In other words, adultery. It's a strange woman. She's not your wife. She doesn't belong to you. Even if you're not married, she doesn't belong to you. 
Even if she's the only one you've got, she doesn't belong to you because you're not married yet. But strange flesh here is also men with men, women with women, humans with animals. There evidently was no limit to what they did at Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's getting that way now in America. There's becoming no limit to how low human beings will stoop to defile themselves. And Jude says they are set forth as an example. Notice the word here, suffering. You catch that? It did not say that those in Sodom and Gomorrah suffered. Past tense. Uh, this is, I, I've been studying a lot on the subject of hell lately, and this is a, a favorite verse of those of us that believe in hell. Incidentally, this is also a favorite verse of those who don't believe in hell, believe it or not. It's a favorite verse of those who don't believe in hell because they don't read the verse right. Because they say, well, that fire that burned them up, is it still burning? Well, then it must not be eternal fire. Wrong fire under consideration, brother. You're not reading the text right. It didn't say they suffered fire. It says they are suffering fire right now. So you have this issue here. And it's interesting how he goes back. And he'll, he'll gather some information from the Old Testament. We've just read these examples here. He gathers some some. Example from outside of the book, say from Jewish uh, Jewish history. And that has to deal with Enoch's prophecy down there in verse 14. In verse 14 it says also, Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh ten thousand of his saints to execute, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly, so forth and so on. And this, I would say, is the most ungodly verse in the Bible. Verse 15 is the most ungodly verse in the Bible. He's convinced all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Six times in this little book, these false teachers are talked about as ungodly. If it weren't for the fact that he said in one part of this that they are sensual having not the Spirit. I told you I was afraid. I hate reading this book. Because you may not get... All these verses may not apply to you. Some of this may not apply to anybody in here, but I guarantee you read through here, something in here is going to get you. These ungodly teachers that come in that they deny... The grace of God, they deny the deity of Jesus Christ. Notice what it says here. Uh, they're called the ungodly. Verse 4, verse 15, verse 18. Verse 8, So though it says, Likewise also these filthy dreamers. So he makes the parallel between Sodom and Gomorrah and talks about those filthy people and he switches back to these false teachers, and he says these filthy dreamers. What do they do? They do three things. They defile the flesh. They despise dominion. And they speak evil of dignities. It's interesting that as some of these false teachers out here in the world get a hold to congregations, 
one thing that it starts to do is it starts to devolve into sexual immorality. The next thing that it devolves into is despising of dominion, despising of dominion. Uh, the devil said, yea, hath God really said. God's word really mean that? And then it says that they speak evil of dignities. Who are you to tell me what to do? This is the, the cry of feminism now. No man tells me what to do. Yes, men tell you what to do all the time. You just pick the church to fight about. Something that's interesting about this is it will often be asked, well, you know, what's wrong with a woman having a career? Why do you preachers have something wrong with a woman having a career? And they want me to tell them what's wrong with women having a career. I'd like for you to tell me what's right about it, actually. I'd like you to stand up here and tell me ten reasons it's right about it. Because the majority of people who look at me and say what's wrong with it really have no idea what God's Word says about the whole thing. They really have no idea what God's Word Himself says. What I'd like to know is, what do you think God's Word says about what you should do and who you should be? That applies to all of us. Men and women. Husbands and wives. Paul said when he was struck down on the mass growth, what would thou have me to do? Is anybody asking that question? Or are they just saying, I speak evil of dignities, don't tell me what to do. Here, the Bible says, he goes on to say, he says, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against him a railing accusation, but just simply said, the Lord rebuked thee. I was... Interesting, growing up, I used to hear people say, I'm having trouble, devil, I rebuke thee. I'm having problems in my life, devil, I rebuke thee. You don't have the power to rebuke the devil. Only the Lord has the power to do such as that. Interesting here, though, Michael the archangel did not argue with the devil. He did not go into conversation with the devil. He said, I simply just turned this whole matter over to the Lord. We'd all do well to just turn the matter over to the Lord a lot of times. Verse 10, not only do these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignities, but in verse 10 it says, but they speak evil of those things which they know not. It, isn't, that, isn't that sort of the oddest thing? That the public square in America is people filled with screaming and yelling really about things that they have no understanding. I told you this about this bill down there in Florida. There's a whole group of people over here screaming, oh, it means you can't be gay, you can't be gay. That's not what it says. The voting right bill that passed in Georgia a couple of years ago. Oh, because you're black, you're not allowed to vote. No, you're just not allowed to vote if you don't have an ID. Oh, my goodness, that's racist. Are black people not able to get IDs? I mean, you have to have an ID to buy alcohol. You have to have an ID to drive a car. You have to have an ID to get your tag on your car. You have to have an ID to get into uh, movie theaters sometimes, depending on the rating of the movie. There's about 45 different things that human beings need IDs for, but the one thing we can't get ID for is to vote. 
They speak evil of things which they know not. Verse 10 says, But what they know naturally as brute beasts in those things they corrupt themselves. He says here what they know naturally as brute beasts, and uh, Peter calls them in Second Peter just natural brute beasts. In, in other words... In, in other words, what they are saying here is they are just likening human beings to acting like animals. Well, what do animals do? Animals just, they go on their feelings. They just do what they feel like doing. They're sensual, um, where, where's that? They're sensual animals. He calls them sensual, having not the spirit in, uh, in this little book. It doesn't mean sensual as in fleshly. It just means they do based on what they see, they hear, they feel. Unbelievable. As natural brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Everything that these false teachers get into, they corrupt, they erode. They tear up. They call it an alternative lifestyle to make it freer for everybody, but really their design is to destroy the family. They want to teach your children not to be better people, but to despise their parents. And this is... I saw this shift in several Pixar and Disney movies that we would watch recently where... There's this constant animosity between the children and the parents. Parents were always wrong. Didn't y'all ever watch The Simpsons? Some of you watched some of it. Some of you know what it is. Homer, the husband, the father of the family, is dumb as a box of rocks. He couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper sack with a hole in it. Marge, the wife, She's the leader, the head of the family. You know, we have this argument about who wears the pants in the family. It just makes me wonder if Adam and Eve complained about who wore the plants in the family. I'm just now thinking about that. But what do we what do we see in America today? Is this a is this a support of the family? No. This is not by accident. This is by design. And these teachers here, verse 12 says, These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. The term feeding there has reference really to shepherding. Um, kind of wonder if Jude had those shepherds in Ezekiel 34 that with force and with cruelty did you rule them, uh, if he had that un under consideration when he wrote this. Spots in your feast. You ever noticed how uh, when you go into a restaurant or you go to sit down, you don't go to the table that's still got the crumbs on it and the water spots. Nasty, isn't it? You ever noticed how everybody wants the clean tablecloth? Well, the Lord says when I view these false teachers, when I view this garbage, it's, it's, it's a spot in the feast. It doesn't matter how beautiful everything is that Tablecloth is a disaster. 
And then he goes, he just, he continues on with these, uh, with these metaphors and these adjectives here. They're, they're spots in your feast. They're, they're clouds without water, carried about of winds. Paul said that the reason for the preaching of the gospel was that we be not carried about by every wind of doctrine. In other words, being carried about by, uh, by every wind that comes along is when some sin that used to be rejected is, is now accepted. People say times have changed. Oh, you, what you mean? The wind's blowing a different direction? Is that what we mean here? That's exactly what they mean. Wind's blowing a different direction now. We used to think this was fun, but now society has deemed it wrong, so we're going to do, it, we're going to do something different. We used to think this was right, but now society has deemed something different, so we're going to do something different. The good thing about following the Bible is that when God said it was wrong, it's always been wrong. And when God said it was right, it was always right. And you don't have to worry about what wind of change is going to come up and blow your ship a different direction. But here they are, they're clouds without water. So they promised, Peter said in 2 Peter 2, he says that they promised them liberty. Isn't that an issue nowadays? Everybody's concerned about uh, bondage and slavery, and we just want to liberate you. You know, we're going to create the women's liberation movement. We're going to create the gay liberation organization. Ever notice how all these groups out here have liberation in their name? They're going to liberate people. And yet Peter says, uh, of whatever sin a man is taken into, he's just going to lead everybody else in the same direction. They're going to liberate you. Hey, don't do without. Get you a credit card. That'll liberate you. It'll give you a lot of spending uh, freedom. What's that get you into? Yeah. Boy, wish I ah, wish I'd have known that 25 years ago. Instead of people telling me, oh, it's good for you. Build your credit. What did I do? I built my debts. What I did. Trees whose fruit withereth. Without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. They're rootless and fruitless is what these people are. Nothing good ever comes about of their life. And by the way, did you notice that these, these teachers come in? Paul said in, in, in Acts 20, Acts 20 verse 30, I think it was, when he told the church at Ephesus, He said, after my departing shall grievous wolves come in, not sparing the flock. False teachers never go out and start their own. They always come into somebody else's work and either destroy the work completely or take half of it away. I'm getting sick of people telling you, you need to, never mind. Uh, Raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. Like sitting by the beach, I like the calmness and the quietness of it. You say, "Well, the, ra- the, the, the waves beat upon the shore." Yeah, but it's, it's just sort of some sort of soothing thing. But you notice, it's just it's just a bunch of noise. When the wave hits the shore and rolls in, it doesn't do anything. But notice, it also says, "Foaming out their shame." So we would go walking along the beach when uh, 
when Sister Mary would allow us to go on vacation, whether we go walking along the beach at night, about 9.30, 10 o'clock, man, you see the weirdest stuff washed up on the shore. Logs been in the ocean months, years, a coconut with barnacles on it. I mean, all kinds of stuff. It's just junk washed up on the shore. Places where false teachers have been, really there's nothing but junk washed up. When you're reading books called Your Best Life Now, that's junk by false teachers. Because if you're having your best life now, you're in bad shape. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. I, I, I warn the nation around me that the people who are teaching us and leading us down this uh, social path of ecstasy and fleshly indulgence are leading us nowhere. So where does this leave us? We have got to, uh, we'll conclude our remarks here because our time has very quickly gotten away. Um, Jude said, I, I give all diligence to write unto you and I put you in remembrance. What can we do? Verse 20, he says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. There's, there's three things that occur here in this, in this chapter. He talks about the present condition of the false teachers. What they're doing, problems it's going to create. He goes back to the past and he says, God has already said He's going to condemn these people for who and what they are and what they do. We've got the present in the past, already dealt with this. Now what does he say? He says, we are looking unto Jesus. Keeping yourselves in the love of God does not mean that you are obeying and keeping yourself saved. You are keeping your mind fixed on God Himself. Regardless if the world rejects this Word, regardless if the world rejects absolute truth, you don't reject it. Keep yourselves with the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Ghost. There's, there's two things that a child of God has to do to make it through this life. Read the Word of God and pray to God. Someone who reads the Word of God may have a lot of light on issues, but if he's not doing any prayer, he's got no power in his life. You can do a lot of praying to God. But if you do no reading, you're not listening to God. See, the way that God answers you is sometimes through circumstances. But the other way that God answers us through your, when you pray is through reading His Word. You pray, He answers in His Word. He's not going to open the windows of heaven. Big flaming yellow... Uh, Arrow go this way, this way, this way, this way. He's going to open up in His Word. And He's going to tell you in His Word what you ought to do. 
Verse 22, he says, And some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. It is a dreadful thing to see somebody overtaken uh, in false teaching. It is a dreadful thing to see somebody uh, overtaken uh, with the, the ways of this world and the wisdom of this world that the Lord says that he will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. But have you ever have you ever tried to pull someone out of error? Have you ever tried to show them the wrong way that they're going and, and where they're headed? Well, it's hard to pull people out of error, isn't it? There's just there's just something there's just something about the teeth of error. It's kind of like a hook in a fish's mouth. Once the fish bites the hook, there's that extra little bar that sticks off the tip of it that he can't, he, he can't get off of. It's a whole lot easier to get somebody that doesn't know anything about the Lord and teach them than it is to find somebody who's messed up and muddled up and all weeded in the head and to tear all those briars down and tear all those weeds down and bring them to the truth. If it weren't for verse 24, I don't think any of us would have any hope. He says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. And I heard a man say, Yeah, it says able, but it doesn't say he's sure. What? Yeah, it says God's able if you'll let him. If God's not going to do what He's able to do, why do anything at all? If it takes me to continue to be good and follow the Lord and do all that I can do, and maybe He'll save me, good grief. I mean, how many mistakes have I already made today? Simple mistakes. I should have known better. No, there's only one hope for us. Unto him that is able. He's not only able to keep you from falling, but he's able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. There were some false teachers called Hymenaeus and Philetus who concerning the truth had erred, Paul said, when he talked to Timothy, he said concerning the truth of erred, and overthrow the faith of some, saying that the resurrection is already past. He overthrew the faith of some. He overthrew their confidence in God. He overthrew uh, their assurance in this life. And there's a lot of people who can be depressed, discouraged, and lose hope in this life. Paul goes on to say, he says, However, having this assurance, God knoweth them that are His. There is a good thing. There is a good thing that God's grace is sure. There is a good thing that God's grace is steadfast. We don't want to be part of that. Part of those that succumb to false teaching. We need to be those who are continuing to look unto Christ, look for His coming, and remember that God is faithful not only to deal with the injustices in this life, but to bring us faultless before His throne for all eternity. Thank you all for your good attention this morning.